right. Well, good morning, you guys. How's everyone doing? Doing great. Hey, all the parents, aren't you guys blessed that your kids are back in school? Woo woo! Can I get a woo woo? Woo woo! All right. And uh, we just want to say welcome if this is your first time. New Hope Community Church, we're a gospel-centered church, Bible-based, we're relationship-focused, and we're passionate about these three things, loving Jesus, making disciples, and serving the community. And so I uh, just wanted to say welcome, and also, um, <clears throat> if you go ahead and open your Bibles in Mark chapter 9, verse 50, if you don't have your Bibles, no worry, chicken curry, we have, we got your back. In your bulletins, we have the sermon notes, which contains not only the scriptures, but also your notes. And today, we're going to uh, conclude and finish off our series on one another's. One another's. And um, if you guys could remember, a uh, hundred times, this word one another occurs in the Bible, 94 times in the New Testament. One third of it, over 30 times, it's about loving one another. Uh, another third about 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 one another is living in unity and peace and the other ones are um, about just pretty much how to live in faith and community and uh, as we talk about our one another we're going to talk about in your notes it says be at peace with one another that we are to live in harmonious and uh, relationships with our one another's and um, you know when before I married Renee, uh, I was living that bachelor life with uh, three of my best friends from uh, college and high school. And uh, because I was a youth pastor and also a college pastor in inner city LA, uh, we were right next to uh, Echo Park and Silver, Silver Lake area. Now, if you're not familiar with Silver Lake, Silver Lake is probably the hipster capital of the world with top knots and man buns. It's just like the worst, okay? And I was like, oh, I felt the pressure to, to like fit in and try to reach. Paul says, hey, to the Jews, I became a Jew. To the Gentiles, I became a Gentile. I became all things to all men so that I could win some. So I'm like, and you know what? Hipsters and um, young people, millennials, man, they really love their organic coffee, right? They really love their kombucha and all that stuff. But one of the things they really love is to rescue dogs. And being in Silver Lake, I used to walk around, I used to jog around, and everybody and their mom had a rescue dog walking around. I'm like, man, I got to be with the people. I got to minister to them. So what did I decide to do? I decided to rescue a dog, and I went to Boxer Rescue of LA in San Fernando Valley, and I adopted a Boxer Pitbull mix, all right? Oh, don't mess with me, brah, all right? And so I picked up this Pitbull and this uh, Boxer, and first of all, his name was Brutus. I'm like, oh, you know, and I'm like, he's going to stab me in the back. At two, Brute, at two, right? And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to change his name. I'm, I'm not going to call him Brutus. So I changed his name to Creasy. Now, if, you, if you're familiar with Denzel Washington, um, he had a movie called A Man on Fire, and he was this retired bodyguard, but he was kind of lethal and deadly, but yet he was quiet and reserved and was protecting Dakota Fanning because she was kidnapped in Mexico. Anyways, the whole story is... I wanted my dog to protect me and, you know, be there for me. And so when I picked up my dog, 
uh, try, you know, tr- give him a walk and tried it out. Uh, everything was cool. I'm like, okay, not bad, all right. And got him a crate, washed him up, flea bath. And um, everything was well and good until uh, about two or three weeks in <clears throat> because our church was in L.A. and, you know, I didn't want him to be stuck at the house. Uh, I would walk around the block and pray. So I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm going to pray around. Might as well walk the dog. And one thing I realized, and it connected, because when I first got my dog, man, he had like bite marks and scratch marks all over his muzzle and his snout. His eyes were scratched right here. And I'm like, huh, but he seems so nice and friendly. Little did I know <laughs> that uh, Brutus or Creasy, man, he got along with people, great, obedient, very submissive. But when it came to other dogs, Man, the pit bull and the boxer came out. Like, uh, I remember the first time walking, and there was a, a neighbor's dog in L.A. You'd have to have a dog, right, to just because uh, you want to keep your property protected. And so every house you stop, and just super aggressive, super mean. And then there would be a person walking by, and his tail would wag. And like, oh, look at me. I'm a nice dog, right? And, and it was like this incongruency where... When it was his own kind, when it came to other dogs, Creasy was just, woo, 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 woo. but when it came to the master, I don't know if you're tracking with me now, if you're, when it came to people in, higher in the pecking order, man, he was uh, compliant, he was submissive, and he was very quiet. Um, one more story about Creasy. Uh, I brought Renee, you know, and it's like, hey, you know, I, I picked up a dog, and and, you know, the dog slept with me. I took him camping. I did all these different things. So he was used to sitting on the couch, and then he would sit on the couch with me. And then Renee came and sat next to me. And uh, Creasy growled. And then Renee says, you better get rid of that stupid mutt, all right? <laughs> Your Filipino makes some pit bull adobo right now. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, so I had to I give my dog to my sister. But I think oftentimes... Oftentimes, we're, in good, we're good with God. We're in right relationship with God, but we're not in right relationship with each other. And to be in right relationship with God and to be right with people means that you are to be, in, to be right with each other. And so we're going to turn to our text this morning in Mark chapter 9, verse 50. If we could all stand together, just in reverence and honor of God's word. Mark chapter 9, verse 50. This is Jesus talking, and the context of this, so we can get some background, is that um, he's talking about the sin. If your right arm causes you to sin, chop it off. And then he talks about anger, all right, in Mark chapter 9. And uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 50, uh, the disciples also argued, like, who's the greatest in the kingdom? They started arguing who's the best disciple. And so Jesus tells them this. I could read you, follow along, and after that we're going to Hebrews 12. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Salt being a preservative that you preserve your relationships within you. Hebrews, Romans chapter 12, excuse me. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony. There it is. I lay alone with one another. 
Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position or low status. Don't be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we uh, welcome you right now, O God, because even as I speak or even as I have prepared this message, um, there are some relationships, O Lord God, that need to be reconciled in my life just like I'm pretty sure in everyone's life here. There's some differences, oh Lord. There's been conflict. There's been some offense that's been carried, and it's, it's put a fracture in our relationships. But Lord, just because this is the way things are, it does not mean this is the way things should be. That the kingdom of God brings peace. Peace with you, but but peace with one another. So I pray, Lord, right now that as we study your word, that you would change our hearts, you would open our minds, O Lord, to your truth. Would you give us strength, Lord, give us hands and feet, Lord, to live out your word so that we could be your followers and disciples and reflect you and live for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So living, with, living at peace with one another is a major <coughs> theme in the Bible. Look at these one another's. Don't grumble among one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Accept one another. Wait for one another. Don't devout one another. Don't consume one another. Don't boastfully challenge one another. Don't envy one another. Gently and patiently tolerate one another. Be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving one another. Bear with and forgive one another. Seek for good for one another. Don't repay evil for one another. Don't complain against one another. Confess your sins to one another. So you see all these one another's, these alelones, this adverb uh, alelone has to do with loving each other but also living and getting along and being in, in harmonious relationships. And so, um, you know, in, in light of keeping the main thing the main thing, here's the main thing. Would you write down the big idea for this morning? Here's the big idea. Being at peace with God is to be at peace with one another. It seems simple, but simple does not mean easy. Simple means you understand it and it's difficult to do. Being at peace with God is to be at peace with one another. Meaning to be in right relationship with God is to be in right relationship with people. You see, in our text in Matthew chapter 5, the teaching of Jesus about the kingdom of God, he says, man, if you want to be forgiven, you must forgive others. See, there's a parallel spiritual law at, at work here. It has to do with peace, and one has to do with forgiveness. That if you want to be forgiven by God, you must also forgive others. 
If you want to be forgiven before the Lord, you must forgive those around you. Your vertical relationship of forgiveness, receiving that forgiveness, should enable us to forgive those in our horizontal relationships. And the second thing is, if you are at peace with God, if you're in right relationship with God, it means that we are to be in right relationship with people. And how do we exactly do that? How do we become a people who are at peace with God, but also peace, be at peace with one another? Number one, would you write down, be a peacemaker before you worship. Be a peacemaker before you worship God. Now, let me just take the time here to demarcate and differentiate peacemaking and peacekeeping. They sound similar, but they're totally, totally, two totally different things. Number one is that peacemaking is a courageous, difficult, active pursuit of reconciliation. It is creating peace where pride and self die so that humility and harmony can live. Making peace takes courage. Making peace takes hard work. Making peace gets messy. Making peace will kill your ego, will kill your pride, will kill your sense of entitlement. But peacekeeping is totally different. Peacekeeping is like a passive thing. Uh, I, I don't really want to say anything, and you could abuse me, and you could take advantage of me, and, but it's okay. I just want to make sure that we're at peace, and I don't want any fractions. You know, when I moved here from the Philippines um, and to the United States, one of the first culture shock that I ever received was I went over to my friend's house. We're playing Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt, all right? And as we're playing video games, um, my, old, my friend's older sister came in, and she was playing Super Mario 2. And then um, the mom came in, and uh, she's like, oh, um, you know, uh, Jennifer, let's just say her name is Jennifer. Oh, Jennifer, it's time for you to do your homework. You need to turn that off. She goes, what? I'm like, uh-oh. You know, in Philippine culture, you, all the elders, you grab them by the hand. It's called mano. Mano means hand in Spanish. You grab their hand, and you put it in your forehead, and you mano each of your elders. And I'm like, oh. And then she's like, why do you always do this to me? He goes, you need to turn that off. She's trying to turn it off. The mom was, and then the daughter comes, she gets the control, starts whipping and beating her mom with it. And I'm like, oh. and she goes, no, it's okay, it's okay. It's, John, John, don't call the police, don't call the police. I'm like, oh my gosh. She goes, I want to make sure that I'm keeping the peace, I'm keeping the peace. I'm like, that is peacekeeping and peacemaking are two different things. One is passive. One is aggressive, active pursuit. And being a peacemaker means that you, before you go to worship, you and I must be peacemakers. What do I mean by that? Look at Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is talking about the Beatitudes here. And this is what he says in verse 21. Matthew chapter 5 verse 21. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment, right? Thou shalt not kill. Hear how Jesus fulfills the law in verse 22. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, 
Anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, which is the Aramaic word for empty-headed, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, because of your angry heart, you fool, you will be in danger of hellfire. If out of your hatred you call someone a fool or a dummy or an idiot, out of anger of your heart, Jesus says you're in danger of hellfire because you're committing murder, not with your actions, but with your heart. Verse 23, therefore, what is the conclusion that Jesus wants to tell us? Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, they have an offense against you, you leave your gift there in front of the altar first and go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift to God. Do you see the importance that if you want to be in, at peace with God, you, you and I must first be at peace with one another. Jesus says, you know how the kingdom of God is like? If you're at church and you're worshiping the Lord, right? Give me Jesus in the morning when I rise, when I come to die, when I'm, when I'm all alone, give me Jesus. And you remember that someone has something against you and that you have not reconciled or you have not asked for forgiveness. You pause the brakes, you hit the brakes. I'm like, what am I doing? I can't be right with God if I'm not right with my sister or my brother. You leave your sacrifice at church or at the temple and then make sure you get things right. Then you could resume, press play in your worship. You see the importance because how many of you remember the first instance of murder in the Bible? It's between two brothers, right? Cain and Abel. And this is where I use mnemonic devices. So God, right, received Abel's sacrifice because he was able to give something out of faith, the gabsh, right? And so you know what Abel did? He was a farmer who raised livestock. As soon as he raised livestock and um, they, he had his first batch of sheep or livestock, goat, whatever it was, the first one, instead of keeping it for himself and keeping it for the family, Abel walked out in faith and offered it to the Lord. There's no guarantee I'll have my second, third, fourth, fifth uh, livestock, but Lord, the, the first, first fruit that I have in faith, I'm going to offer it to you. And what did Cain do? Cain, he was a farmer. He wasn't, it's not because he was a meat or vegetable. Cain was a farmer, and what he did was he got his first crop, so I'm like, okay, cool. And then he waited till his second crop, third crop, fourth crop. He wanted to make sure that he had enough for himself, enough for him, his family, enough for the future, enough so that he could be comfortable and secure. And after that, he's like, okay, you know what? The leftovers that I have, now that I know for sure that I have enough for myself, I don't need faith. I'm just going to give to God because, you know, he provided. And then that sacrifice of not walking in faith was unacceptable to God. Do you guys know Jesus said, quoting Isaiah, that man, you worship me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. How can we worship God with our lips and yet our hearts be far from him? 
when we are not at peace with one another, when there is irreconcilable difference, when there are fractured relationships, when you are holding or someone is holding an offense against you, you have not made that right, you come to church, and the crazy thing is that Jesus says what? When you come and offer, not your sacrifice, but what? Your offering. He meaning you're about to give and tithe to the church. Jesus says, hey, I don't want your money. I want you. I don't want your sacrifice. I don't want your offering to me. I don't want your money. I want your heart. Don't offer to me money. Don't offer to me your sub, the substance of what you have and think that you're going to be at peace with me. Be at peace with your neighbor first. Be at peace with one another. And it's so interesting because how many of you know that as a family, getting ready for church is the most spiritually demonic assignment on your life? Can I get an amen? amen. Right? It's that one time, it's just like, come on, are you kidding me? Get off the iPad. Get yourself some breakfast. And then it's like, come on, we're going to go to church. We're going to be late for worship. Right? And you're screaming and you're yelling and you're just injured. You just injured your children. You're telling, how come you're not helping out? We're trying to get ready for church here. It's the Lord's day. And you're yelling and you're, there's friction and tension. There's offense. And you go to church and you're like, oh, hey, brother, how's it going? Oh, God bless you. Oh, let me put away the, chair, the chairs. Let me go serve you. Do you see here the incongruency? And here you are, you're trying to worship. You're tithing and you're giving to God, but you're stumbling your wife. Your kids are sitting in ark. Really? Why do we go to church? He's the same rotten, angry dude he's always been. There's no difference. And so, this has real life application for us. That we, yes, it starts with our, with our one another's, but it starts at home. It starts with your spouse. It starts with your wife, your husband, your children. And let me, could I add this that? the health of your relationships, man, it validates the gospel. When you're able to love and ask forgiveness, it puts like a credibility to Jesus. You are making the gospel appealing. You're making the, the good news of Jesus Christ good news that we can be changed, that we don't, we're not where we're supposed to be, we're not where we want to be, but, but the grace of God, we're not where we're at. That through humility and confession and forgiveness and acceptance, the people of God can thrive and that you're able to encourage and speak into your children's life and not come off as a hypocrite. That there's a depth to your walk when you ask for forgiveness. If they have something against you, before you worship, before you go to church, Lord, hey, buddy, I'm so sorry. I, your two wrongs don't make a right. You shouldn't have done, said that. You shouldn't have done that. You should have obeyed, but I shouldn't have acted in that way. I'm so sorry. Would you forgive me? Okay, you get that right. Go back to church. Then you could tithe then you could give, then you could worship, then you could hear the word. Because God does not want your money, he wants your heart. 
how could you be at peace with him if you're not at peace with those whom you love? Number two, would you write down, pursue peace by persecuting conflict. How do we become peacemakers? How do we be in right relationship with one another? We pursue peace, how? (coughs) By persecuting conflict. I'll explain the word persecuting from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Okay, everybody there? It says, strive for peace with who? Everyone. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now, this is from the ESV version, but my NIV Bible says, make every effort to be at peace with everyone. So the word here is like, there's effort that you strive. But the Greek word for strive here is the word dioko. Okay, and the yoko, it's a very strong word. It's much stronger than the modern English word that we have. The yoko is used many times in the New Testament. Let me show you a couple. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. Jesus says, blessed are you when others dioko you, when others persecute you. Huh. Acts chapter 9, verse 4. Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you... Diokoing me. Why are you persecuting me? Huh? Persecute? Strive for? Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. I dioko, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3:12. By any means possible, dioko. Revelation chapter 12, verse 13. John the Beloved says, And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to earth, he diokoed, he pursued the woman, meaning Mary, who had given birth to the male child. So this word pursuing peace means at all cost, even if we're being persecuted for it, even if we're being made fun of it, even if we become martyrs and we'll take the hits, we'll take the arrows, whatever it takes so that relationships could be made right. Persecute and kill that conflict and it may be you and me in the line of fire. These examples give us a sense of what the author of Hebrews had in mind when he when he exhorted us to Dioko to strive for peace, we are to press forward to peace by any appropriate means possible. We are to pursue peace with relentless determination. We might even think about it as persecuting conflict by which vigorously working to prevent or end sinful conflict and you put sin to death, not persecuting people in conflict. Because in order for peace to be made possible, death is necessary. You cannot have have peace without death. What do I mean by that? If you want to strive for and and, and be persecuted or persecute for peace, it's going to be the death of your ego. It's going to be the death of your pride to humble yourself and to ask for forgiveness. 
It'll be the death to your rights. Hey, I'm your father. You listen to me. You don't you dare disrespect me. Like, I'm so sorry. I should not have done that. You, you, there's a death to your pride. There's a death to your preference in order to make sure that we strive forward, that we persecute forward so that we could be in harmony because we cannot be in harmony with God if we're not in harmony with one another. You could play the church, you could go to church, you could go through the routine, go through the motions, but if you and I are not in right relationship with each other, by the authority of God's word, we're not in right relationship with God. Forgiveness and peace comes when we forgive others, forgive ourselves, and also when we have peace with one another. Then we could be at peace with God. And I'll go ahead and close with this. May I encourage you this? 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. <coughs> Check out the one another's here. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Church, what happens when we aim for restoration? What happens when we love and we live in peace? The God of love, the God of peace will be with us. You know, St. Clement of Alexandria says, For the sake of each of us, he laid down his life, worth no less than the universe, he demands of us in return our lives for the sake of each other. You know, there's a story years ago in a western city, a husband and a wife, they became estranged. And finally, they became separated and got divorced. They both left the city and resided in different parts of the country. The husband one day chanced to return to the city on a matter of business and he went out to the cemetery to the grave of their only son. He was standing by the grave in fond reminiscence when he heard a step behind him. Turning around, he saw his estranged wife. The first inclination of both was to turn away but they had one thing in common, one thing that was binding interest in that grave. Instead of turning away, they clasped their hands together over that grave of their son, and they were reconciled to one another. Here it is. It took nothing less than death to reconcile them. It takes nothing less than death, the precious blood of Christ, to reconcile man to God. The pronouncement and the proclamation of the gospel is this, that we have the great proclaimer that says, He has given us the ministry and the message of reconciliation. So in our effort to make peace, church, Death is necessary. Jesus died 
to bring us peace with our Father. Jesus died so to bring us peace with one another. So let's make every effort because Jesus laid down his life for us to be at peace with one another. I never want to come to the end of my life and think I could come before God and worship him and praise him with my lips, but my heart is far from him because I never reconciled with people who have an offense against me. And so this morning, Jesus offers forgiveness. Jesus offers grace. He offers the peace to guard your heart, to guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for being our Prince of Peace. Lord, that there was strife, there was enmity, there was conflict between us and you, Father. But through the death of your Son, Jesus Christ, who satisfied your wrath, you brought peace to us. And you brought peace, Lord God, not only between us and you, but you mean and you purpose to bring peace to our one another's. So, Father, I pray right now that we as your church, <clears throat> that our hearts would be close to you, that we would catch your heart of reconciliation and peace. Lord, to those who have wronged us, offended us, to those who spoke stink against us, O oh Lord God, I pray that there would be forgiveness, humility, and reconciliation. Lord, I pray, God, that we would be peacemakers, that we would take courageous, aggressive, intentional steps, O oh Lord God, to make peace with those around us. Lord, I, I pray, God, just for healing right now, healing in relationships. Lord, maybe there's some here, that, that there's been years and years and years of unforgiveness, years and years and decades of hardness of heart. I pray that the Prince of Peace would be upon our situation. And so, Lord, we thank you, God, that uh, you speak to us this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you bring peace in our lives and that we are at peace with you. Give us the strength and the grace to be at peace with one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, hallelujah. Let's all stand together.